Hi, I'm Jimmy. And I'm Kennedy Carman. Hurry up and save at the all-new R-Town Ford. Your new choice in Randallstown. There's hundreds of new Fords with total savings to up to $12,000. Or choose 0% financing up to 72 months. It's my town. It's your town. It's R-Town Ford. They've got a license to talk. Shocking. Positively shocking. And the words are for your ears only. I think you got the point. Welcome to The Words Are Not Enough. In part two of our two-part episode 20 special, the Twain crew goes through the years discussing which Bond films are the best reflection of the decade they were released in. And we take into account the results of our Twitter poll, which you, the audience, participated in. All of this coming your way now. <laughs> All right, so I believe that does it for Q Branch, and believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a discussion segment to get to. But this this show has gone on very long. We we talked about a lot, but the show uh, is not enough, Griffin. We're, we're, hey, listen, we're not going <laughs> to jip you on content because when we put out an episode, it's usually pretty beefy. So let's it's move usually, into it's our. Usually, like once a, we our release schedule is only slightly less consistent than eons <laughs> yeah right there you go uh but anyways moving on to uh our discussion segment shaken but heard brody do you want to introduce this one since it was actually a topic that you came up with and i believe you integrated onto the twitter account Ah, uh, yeah sure so um basically uh we've mentioned this a couple times before uh, earlier in the show but yeah on the twain account uh on the twain pod twitter account uh we post a lot of just sort of discussions polls what have you because we like engaging with you guys our audience and one that we did uh, i want to say two weeks ago it was a little bit ago but not too long ago um was basically which bond film do you feel best encapsulates the aesthetic of the decade it came out in so basically which film do you think all round best represents or is indicative of the time that it came out, the moment in time that it came out. Mm. And we got some really interesting responses and really interesting debate. And so we thought we might talk a bit about that ourselves, share our thoughts, our uh, rationales for our picks, and then maybe go through yeah. some of your answers and just discuss them a little bit. Because uh, while I put my own answers in the um, in the post itself, people were making arguments where I'm like, I really can't rebut that. That is a valid point. I mean, right. if I, if, and if my answer wasn't differently, it wasn't a different one, I would probably have put the one you put because, it, yeah, I think there's a lot of wiggle room for uh, this. There's no definitive answer. Uh, well, and, really the, just, and that's the it thing. It comes down you know? to how you define a decade. I was in just your about to say, mind. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. that, I mean, that's that that that's really the thing. Is like what when you think of a certain decade, what really pops in your mind? Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I feel like there there's a Bond film for every part of the decade that really you know um, comes to the forefront for you. So it, it it's interesting, especially reading some of the responses, but. Shall we begin? Absolutely. Go for it. All right. So starting with... (laughs) Right, yeah, you've already... Well, just in case they haven't seen the post, um, we'll have you do yours. But I'll go first with the 60s. So for the Mm -hmm. 60s, to me, I I think, you know, when I think of the 60s, uh, I know there's different interpretations of it, but I usually, you know, something like Mad Men, something that's really clean, kind of a um, extension of the 50s, but definitely not the 50s at all. Um, But the, you know, the the clean cut style, um, the, the... you know, uh, just kind of very, um, 
yeah, it's really hard to 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 describe without saying the madman uh, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But that's that's legitimately but no, I know what, like 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 the, the very like minimalistic. Um, yes, minimal. That's perfect. Like yeah, yeah minimalism, yeah. sleek like lines and like pastel colors almost. Yeah. Yep. But at the same time, uh, you know, you definitely still Monist. have the like, right, yeah. right, right, and and you definitely still have the effects of the Cold War going on. Um, I, I, one of like the the two really peaks of it, really. Um, and so to me, the film that best encapsulates that is from Russia with Love, because you not only get that traditional, you, you know, uh, uh, '60s aesthetic from a style point of view, but then mm-hmm. that film very directly deals with the Cold War as it was seen at that point in time. And so I think, um, for a decade that was really kind of defined by those two um, points, uh, to to me, that one really just screams '60s. Uh, so that's kind of what I go to when I think of that. I, I mean, realistically, uh, the the first four uh, Connery films, you you could pick any of them, but I I just pick From Russia with Love because of its direct tie into the Cold War. Hmm. Yeah. No. I I can totally see where you're coming from, and this one is like where I can see, uh, probably most definitively. Just depends on how you define that decade, especially for us because we didn't live through it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um. Yeah, for me personally, I went with Honor Majesty's Secret Service because mm-hmm. to me that like Honor Majesty's Secret Service best like encapsulates that swinging sixties kind of like psychedelic, uh, free love that kind of thing. You have Lazenby who's quite youthful. He sort of almost feels like a um, a, a bond of the youth culture at the time, the counterculture bond, and in a lot of ways. Um, and that may that that may just become that may just be because of how much of Lazenby Lazenby puts into his bond. Um, and as we all know, that's that was definitely on Lazenby's mind at the time. That's why he left the role. Um, and I think it definitely comes across in that film. Just everything he wears, those like those boots, the fucking um, the boots that Austin Powers ends up wearing. <laughs> yeah, Austin um, Powers takes a lot from... See, but that's the thing, though. I feel Majesties. like... Yeah, I feel like Majesties... Yeah, you're right. It does incorporate the swinging sixties a little bit, but there's and even like it, even like you got the women, you've got the women with their like their their hairdos and their yeah um, yeah their dresses. See, Everything about it just feels like so definitively sixties. Like if it if it had come, out, I, I I saw I watched a um I watched a uh, a little feature. I forget what it was called, but um it was starring uh, Mark Gatiss and this other guy. And they were just talking about Bond. It was this little like special feature thing on the BBC, and he sort of perfectly said what i was thinking which was that like if this film had come out a year later because this comes out in 1969 if this thing had come out 1970 it's a completely different movie and just because just aesthetically it is Mm, um and i think that's so true i think this movie is so perfectly the 60s it kind of just for me even like even like just the visuals of it like something about the way those in the opening credits the way the women opposed like when they when they're doing the the coat of arms, it just mm-hmm. looks so '60s to me. You have all the lights and the uh, oh my god, it's just everything about it to me. Uh, that's that's what I think yeah. of when I think of the '60s. But I, you do have a good point. There is like that early '60s, late '50s kind of thing that is still very much part of the '60s aesthetic as well. The more stylish, clean cut version of the 60s, like the Kennedy era of the 60s. Yeah, of the yeah, 60s. that's that's kind of where I kind of like. Uh, yeah, lean into. Yeah, that. and yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. I think I think for me, if I was gonna pick one from that era, it would probably be like either Doctor No or Goldfinger. Um, oh, interesting. So you, you okay? Interesting. Not that for Russia, for Russia Love is definitely 
60s. I think I think for the Cold War stuff, it almost feels 50s to me. Um, and whereas, like in the in Doctor No, you have like in the, in, this isn't so much aesthetic; it is as it is like the plot elements of the story. But yeah. Doctor No, he's toppling missiles, which felt very current with the Cuban yeah, Missile Crisis that, and all that. And true. then in yeah. Goldfinger, really, the plot has not much to do with the the geopolitics of the time, other than that the Chinese are helping. Um, Goldfinger, but that film is just so stylish. Like it is just so like wow. Look at mm-hmm. this, and you have that Ken Adams set with the um of the uh, Fort Knox, and it just looks like this is the '60s in Technicolor. Like yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe because it goes to America too, and I think of America a lot when I think of the '60s. When you so. think of the '60s, yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. No, that's an interesting. Point. I think all valid points. Like I said, you could pick any of Sean- of Connery's like first four films really i mean even from even you only live twice a little bit but yeah. uh especially those first four they really do scream 60s and you know you make a good point for uh honor majesty secret service to me it yeah i mean you're right i do get a little bit more 70s vibes like early 70s vibes from it but i mean i i can't really argue it makes it, you make a good point so mm-hmm. moving on to the <laughs> 70s speaking woo-hoo. of that oh woohoo exactly. so uh do you want to go first or you want me to go first or you know uh, what? i'll just go just first. keep the rhythm going yeah, yeah yeah you go first all right so for me the one that 100 with like over every other film here that screams the 70s is live and live and let die that mm-hmm. that movie is is this is almost a just like caricature of the 70s in some uh in some uh respect but uh you know uh from um roger moore's freaking pants uh to <laughs> to to the the um uh, the Paul McCartney and the Wings theme song, get diving into the rock elements of the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Um, to like the black exploitation going on there, which is a very seventies thing. The score is great, but also definitely has some of that seventies vibe to it. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't really know what else to say other than you just watch that film and you're like, wow, yeah, this is a product of the seventies. This is. We're, we we have moved into it's it's less like traditional minimalistic straight and, and and it's it's moved into something else entirely very kind of psychedelic with with like the um uh you know the the uh, uh the voodoo stuff going on there Baron Samity and whatnot uh-huh. um and I I mean I don't know when when Bond goes to New York City. Um, yeah. or and they're driving around and just the slang they're using the lingo the, pimp-mobiles, uh, the yeah. pimp mobile I mean my god I, there's nothing else in Roger Moore's era that feels more 70s than live and let die <laughs> you you could make an argument for Moonraker I'll say that you can make an argument for Moonraker especially being you know late 70s but um yeah dude I, I think live and let die is just oh my that god. is the 70s get me a make on a white pimp mobile exactly <laughs> right great like, line great on. line from felix but um oh my god. yeah no no you are right and, and someone mentioned this in the comments when they answered and i was sort of like yeah I'll, like that's a great point everything in harlem i think i think that, that for me that's where the film sort of peaks 70s and then it becomes a little less 70s for me as the film goes elsewhere um it's just when it's in Harlem, it is so, <laughs> so 70s. Like, yeah, everything about it is. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're right. Even the score has like, um, and that's, it's because it's by um, George Martin, who is like producer for the Beatles. And so he right. has a very, he's very much in tune with that, like the the sound of the times. And yeah, even like there's, there's some little like, um, I don't even know what you'd call it, like that, that like, yeah, it's like a black exploitation sort of the guitar sound where it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know how you describe. It. I'm not very uh, good at 
describing that kind of music. No, I, but, um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, but it, it, it's just, it's all that time. Um, maybe a little bit to its own detriment, very dated, but, um, oh yeah, that's, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like it's like, there is nothing like, you know, just you like the get, attitudes, the attitudes. Oh that my God. It, like, yeah. It is just like, so it, it, it is a product. Uh. It, it, you watch that today and you're, it's like watching, it's just literally like watching an exaggeration of the seventies. It is yeah. a time capsule for sure. For sure. I think for me, um, when I think of the seventies, I, I, I feel someone pointed this out to me, um, in the comments that like most of my picks were like from late in the decade. And mm-hmm. I think just for me, when I think of a decade, I think of that end. Like I, I think a decade really finds its identity at the tail end of the decade. Mm. And as some sub- subconsciously, I guess I just sort of applied that to these bond films. So for me, I picked the spy who loved me, um, which mm. I just, I, everything, I, everything about that film, I, I don't think it could come out in a different time. Um, it, it, very much like you said with Live and I Die, it's a time capsule. I think the first, the first and foremost reason for that is uh, Marvin Hamlish's score, which is very disco infused, very kind of just of that moment in terms of popular music. Yeah, um, that's true. I think Live and Let Die's title song is a little more seventies, just because it has like Paul McCartney and Wings. Well, whereas, it plays it plays into that the the seventies rock. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, um, uh. What do you call it? Um, no, nobody does it better. One. Oh yeah, nobody does it yeah, better. Yeah, nobody, yeah, nobody does it better. Is more of a. I mean, it's, it's definitely a seventies ballad, but you could definitely probably swing that in a different decade if you really tried. Uh, like, you, like songs like that were released in the eighties as well. But yeah. um, so yeah, maybe not so much in that. But like the the soundtrack itself, the score is so seventies. Um, everything about the sense of humor of it feels very 70s like very sort of um just yeah i don't know it's hard, it's hard to describe like not like slapstick or anything just mm-hmm. very much more tongue-in-cheek reminded me of like like uh english comedy british comedy from the time yeah um like not quite monty python-esque but you know it was like definitely like that sort of like that rye it's very roger moore very wry sense of humor um the clothing, like fucking Roger Moore's gigantic lapels, and yeah, just like I just, I just can't. I it's just the pants, man. It's the pants. pants, yeah, like the, 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 the flares at the bottom the of his flares, pants. They kill yeah, me. Oh my dude, God. it's it's too much. I mean, I I I think I was saying this to you before. I think you could extend that to Moonraker. I think Moonraker has a very it, Moonraker and Spy Love Me feel very much of the same like identity, like the same uh, DNA. Mostly because like the same people made it, yeah. um, but I think the score gives uh, "Spy Who Loved Me" the edge, where it's just Moonraker has a very traditional John Barry score, but Marvin Hamlish's score is just so seventies. And you can make an argument that like um, there's a bit of disco in uh, "For Your Eyes Only" score, even though it came out in uh, I think it was 80, 80, 81. Um Yeah, which is like the very cusp of the new decade, so you couldn't really say it's totally 80s mm-hmm. but yeah for me i i, I don't know I, I i i will concede that live and let die is a very very good pick but i'm gonna stick with this why you love me i think just like when i watch that movie when i want to watch a 70s bond movie that is the archetypical 70s bond movie really because um, i yeah. i feel the same way about live and let die 
Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fair though. I mean, they can't argue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's. Anyways, uh, moving on, I guess, to yeah. the eighties. The eighties. Very interesting because I feel like every one of these films are is like distinctly eighties. It's just a matter of which one screams the 80s, more eighties. The eighties. Like I, this is the thing. I think, in terms of films that are not that that are. Um, What's interesting about the the eighties films and the two thousands films, maybe not the two thousands films, but like the two thousand ten films, mm-hmm. um, is that I think a lot of films, a lot of the Bond films, are, like they owe a lot of their aesthetic to the sixties, just because that is when the films started and it sort of set the the the, you know, the bar sure. in terms of what they're supposed to look and sound like and feel like, and so a lot of the time you have. Every now and then, a couple of films sprinkled in where it feels derivative of that style. Um, but I think, yeah, the 80s is 100% not trying to be the 60s in any of the films. Yeah, Every single no, one no. of those films is very content with this is a of-the-moment 80s film. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so you can make an argument for, like, basically all of them. But yeah. uh, I mean, you, you know... A View to a Kill, literally the opening <laughs> title sequence could could you could literally say that one for that title sequence alone. But mm-hmm. uh, you brought up a good point yesterday, and I actually had the same opinion on it. it, it it's because Roger Moore is so old, and because it's still kind of drawing from like the '70s style of film, late '70s style of filmmaking. I feel like it hadn't reached that modern '80s aesthetic. I, the the yeah, opening I sure that- shit did, but like the yeah. the film as a whole still feels. Like more, more yeah. is the seventies basically, That's and the that thing. film Roger, still that, has that. Was that. The, that was the problem with Roger Moore's. As much as I love, as I mean, like *Fear Eyes Only* is my favorite Roger Moore film, I think. But um, as much as I love, and I love Roger Moore, and then as much as I love *Fear Eyes Only*, which came out in the early eighties, um, Roger Moore very much belonged in the seventies. And yeah, I agree. the longer, the further into the eighties he stayed, the more and more. As much as I like those films. It became very apparent, like like Octopussy, View to a very Kill, outdated. like yeah, yeah, it's not even outdated. It just feels like out of touch with the moment, like that it exists in. Where it's just sort of like this film with a younger actor in it would have been more eighties. This would have felt right. more modern. But right. he is kind of as as a performer, as his um, well, not even as a performer, but as his performance of Bond is concerned, is so seventies that it felt like it had overstayed its welcome at that point. Where it's just sort of like. Roger, I love you, but you not. I mean, you're, not, regardless of his age, it's just sort of like this. This performance belongs in the seventies, not yeah, the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but anyways, yeah, that is not my pick. Uh, so <laughs> very clearly, the the two options are the two Dalton films, and it's it's a not toss up. I I, I, st- <laughs> I still really can't. I still don't have a definitive pick because the more I was thinking about it, I was like, originally I was like License to Kill because it is just a straight up 80s action film. The the music feels very 80s. Uh, The the filming styles and whatnot feel very 80s. It is just a straight up 80s revenge action film. Um, But then you look at The Living Daylights and that's very in touch with the, the global politics of the moment. Um, And the music as well is very in touch with the, um, the style of the 80s, you know, incorporating the pretenders into it, bringing it in synth, aha yeah. to do the, like, there's there's a synth feel to it, but it doesn't overdo it with the synth. It just puts, it uses it enough to feel, you know, 80s. Um, yeah. But I just think, no, I, think of ne- I, I think of Necros' theme, and I'm just like, this is, 
This is so 80s. Because Necros's entire look is 80s. His <laughs> entire look is so, but but it's very 80s. Very much the, like um like Ivan Drago that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> well you know, and it was interesting. I was trying to put my finger on it. The difference between the two, and there are a lot of differences. The the, the Living Daylights is very much a spy espionage film, um, whereas License to Kill is very much a it's just a revenge film. Um, yeah, but, really, but, it, it, it concerns itself with like cartel intrigue, like like the war on drugs, right? Coming. Um, yeah. but the, the thing about the, the living daylights is that is the eighties from the European perspective, whereas license to kill is the eighties from American, the yeah. American perspective. So it's, I, I almost can't choose between them mm-hmm. because they're, they're both valid. Um, right now I'm leaning more into the living daylights. Uh, wow. but man, I, I, I don't know because you, you the, like the, the entire third act of License to Kill is like For me, straight up. Yeah, I'm going yeah. License to Kill. Um, I, do, I, I do definitely see what you're saying with uh, Living Daylights and that's a really good point. I, I, I would also say A View to a Kill is a very, very, very close. If, if not for Roger Moore, everything else in that film is so 80s, including like, yeah. like just Grace Jones and her look. Mm-hmm, uh, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, Christian, Christopher Walken and his look mm-hmm. and just the whole style I mean Stacey Sutton lately. like Stacey Sutton as a character literally stepped out of like Dallas like the did TV she show. did yeah <laughs> and everything about her like, like my daddy was an all baron and like all this kind of ridiculous oh stuff. my god and so yeah. um yeah very 80s but yeah Roger Moore kind of pulls it back a little bit makes it a little more um less so and then for like Living Daylights, I've always let, like yeah, you're right. It is very much rooted in the time, and the the aesthetic of it is very much '80s, um, like Cold War '80s thriller. Um, but I I think that there's almost like a timeless quality to some of it. There like, there is a bit of a timeless quality. That 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 is what yeah. I will say. But whereas I think yeah. License to Kill is 100. percent I mean, and maybe this might come down to way the way I view the '80s. I, the '80s for me, like my entire again, I didn't live through the '80s, so. My perception of it is through media and all the 80s media I consume, except for like bits and pieces here and there, um, and in terms of pop culture anyway, is American. Um, yeah. And that just defines. Yeah, shit, like, you're right. No, you're yeah, right. Like, I, for, I have to give it to you because you're right. The, yeah. eight, the 80s is so defined by American And it is such an American, and it is such and, an American decade in general. Yeah, like yeah, the end uh, of the absolutely. Cold War, that kind of thing. And, I mean, you um, could I, I was saying more leaning in, with Living Daylights, leaning more into the European side. I mean that that kind of like uh, and I, I agree with that Cold point. War Berlin point. kind of stuff. You know that it definitely does draw from that a little bit, uh, especially Necros, who literally looks like he stepped out of a Berlin nightclub in the 1980s. <laughs> uh, it was it's just wow. Um, but you're right. I may have been thinking too much into the, like the the political landscape of the time with the end of the Cold War and stuff like rather that. Rather than like, the aesthetic of it, rather yeah. than the aesthetic, because I th- I think you're spot on because because License to Kill is rooted in. America and the in America is 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 very much a is so the 80s is kind of defined by American pop culture and the political you know landscape of the Reagan years yeah. and stuff like that so and I and war on drugs yeah I, I think and I, the like, war on drugs yeah I mean this film had like it was it was so 80s it had a subplot that like kind of about, about like stinger missiles shooting down an airline which was literally yeah. what was happening at the time yeah like it is yeah. just I mean but we're not counting plot lines too much uh, more so to do with the aesthetic, and yeah, I mean, like the seventies is very garish. I think I think it's a very ugly decade. Oh, I agree. Of, um, it's gross. Style. It's, it's disgusting. Really just ugly. Yeah. And um, the eighties is just as garish, but in like in a more of kind of a, a fun way, like the neon, the, all that, 
um, the pastel colors. Like yeah. this, this License to Kill looks like an episode of Miami Vice. Um, <laughs> and oh, God, yeah, I, yeah, and, and, and like, yeah. and then you, I think add to that because yeah, you're right. The music in the Living Daylights is. Like he has like a synth element to it, and John Barry is very one of his best scores. I love oh, it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Michael Kamen's score in Living uh, uh, License to Kill is so eighties, mm-hmm. so 80s. I mean, you got a little bit of like Die Hard in there. You got a little bit of yeah, like, that's like, yeah, um, like yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Lethal Weapon? Mm-hmm. Um, just like those dudes guitars, like a guitar version of the fucking I James mean, Michael, Bond theme. Michael Kamen like, did score Die Hard, so <laughs> and uh, and uh, Lethal Weapons. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he I definitely mean, is drawing reason, from that. Yeah, yeah. Because he like pretty much defined the action movie sound of that decade, or at least the, the latter half of that decade. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a reason they brought him on. Um, yeah, but even like John, what, what surprises me most about that movie is that John Glenn's direction even changes, like because. I mean, he. I think he's so versatile. I don't think we give him enough credit. Like he, the fact that he managed to go from making uh, the Living Daylights, which is very traditional Bond film kind of style, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. changing like everything from his editing to his like shot composition to make it feel like it could have been. It could stand alongside something like Scarface or stand alongside something like um, just like any of the the the, the drug fueled eighties mayhem that was going on at the time. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of unreal that he managed to do that and yeah i mean the whole movie just screams 80s to me timothy dalton's hair even looks like his little fucking his when he, when he push, pulls his hair back in the casino um oh, it's a it's definitive look for dalton yeah. and he's so 80s um yeah no i mean pam when she gets her short hair and she wears like the the dress and yeah like, it's just Man, so, I, yeah. the dea is in the fucking movie the like, dea just... yeah I th- you sway i did like i said you swear i was on the cusp i was leaning more towards uh the living daylights but you the have, most uh... the most 80s human being to ever exist is um uh Killifer, the the uh cia guy who well, the dea guy who like betrays everyone Oh yeah, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like half a billion. Like, what did he say? He, he, not a billion. No, he was like, um, when he when he like throws the money at him, he's like, he's like, we can split it. Like, it's just oh so, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's absurd. Oh yeah, it's so eighties. Everything about it is so eighties. I love it. I agree. Um, I can definitely yeah. see why it turns some people off because it is so eighties and it does feel a little divorced from the, the bond aesthetic in some ways, yeah, but it really does. It's a breath of fresh air. I love it. it. I think no, it's I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. It's uh, yeah. You, there you go. You swayed me. Um, <laughs> yes. so second time we, this episode of swayed. No, no it, actually it's not the second. Oh no. Yes. You did the Richard Madden. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was more of just like the conversation kind of hey, went now, in a direction on. and credit, I'm not giving you credit due. for that first one. You, you, you will sway. You have swayed me for, for license to kill, but not for that one. Um, but anyways moving on to the 90s now the yes. 90s is interesting um I, totally I f- agreement on this one <laughs> right yeah i think we are, i think we are very much in agreement on this one um there are in my mind there's really only two options because you know the world is is not enough it's it's a nine it's a 90s film but it almost kind of feels like it could be an early 2000s film mainly because it did come out in 99 um, yeah, but I I think if it, not for if not for that uh, Millennium Bug joke, oh yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, it's that that kind of yeah, right. Um, so um, yeah, the, the the only real options here I see are Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies, and Goldeneye has too much of of the eighties in it 
to me. Yeah, um, into the Cold War, like just yeah, kind of... it it really just kind of like it, it's Which very much nineties in like the score and the the yeah. kind of like the hair and like the it it, it is perfectly mid nineties. Um, mm-hmm. but and, like, even uh, like all that tech stuff going on and yeah, the tech yeah. stuff going on, like, the, yeah, the, the giant computers, computers and <laughs> Boris, like that character could not have been written in any other decade but the nineties. Yeah, all the all the UIs on the computers. Yeah, look like, y- yeah. Like they're not like like really bad versions of like Linux or something. Right, right. <laughs> but to me, but here we go. Tomorrow Never Dies is so it's perfectly a nineties action movie. Tomorrow Never Dies is literally a <laughs> like a John Woo uh nineties <laughs> uh, action movie. I mean, it yeah, is. dude. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like I would say you said John Woo. I would. I mean, there's so much John Woo in there with the there slow is so motion. much. There's, the yeah. du- the dual wielding the guns, like mm-hmm. and that's for that finale. The, the, but, that's um, what I think of. Like the finale is really just yeah peak eighties. Yeah, I think um yeah for me I, I I I'm saying the same thing. Um yeah I I, I think for I would say it's almost like James Cameron esque. In the, in the way it's... It yeah, looks, oh, yes. Like, um, yeah, you're right. It's, and it would come down to Robert yeah. Ellsworth's, like, beautiful cinematography. The cinematography, um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's just something about the way, the, the way it uses those, like, um, those crushed blacks with the, like, the, the floodlights and the... Um, just like the, the, it's use of color, like those mm-hmm. blues. Looks mm-hmm. very James Cameron to me. Like, very mm-hmm. Terminator. Um, yeah, I think it's... Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think it but is John nice Woo was, I think it's like a marriage between John Woo and James Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was literally what I was about to say. Biggest, I was like the... Two of the biggest filmmakers of the decade. Absolutely, so. yeah. I mean, they, they really helped define the 90s action genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I mean, the plot is one of those things that's like the plot is so silly and and simple um that it yeah. can only be in like a 90s action movie. You know I mean, what the, I'm saying? The, like the, 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 the villains are so like terrifically terrifically hammy yeah um, and i think if even if you take it away from um like take it away from aesthetic for a second and go talk about the plot like that cable news stuff is very 90s oh like, my god yeah. yeah 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 i mean it's 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 very relevant now too but like that was like the advent of cable news and so it just feels very appropriate um yeah like everything like speaking of like nightclubs german nightclubs that's where Mr. Stamper came from. Mr. Stamper literally <laughs> came from a Stamper. rave in like East, oh, not even East Berlin, just like regular Berlin at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And then like, <laughs> um, even Bond's car, his Bond's car in that movie, the BMW, one oh, of his most ugly dude. cars. It but is literally. So 90s, it looks yeah. like a car that like everyone's dad drove in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every, everyone's businessman dad drove that car. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and no, his, his, I, his like little um, flip phone, <laughs> his like Nokia phone. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god. god! The phone. Yeah, it's, yeah. Brosnan's suits look very nineties. His haircut. They, just, yeah, they do. It's it's a very nineties looking movie. <laughs> Yeah. but it's so like deliciously nineties. So oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, great. I, it's great. It's if Lice is to kill to kill is a absurd eighties action movie. Tomorrow Never Dies is the is just the it's a it's 90s action movie just straight yeah. up 100%. it's great though yeah no I'm glad we agree on that one I, I really don't think there was any other option but it really um, wasn't you could say the world is not enough but it, I mean it, that one almost feels a little timeless as well yeah it does yeah probably comes down to the fact it, it, this cause setting plays a big part in this too and the fact that it's set partially in um uh Istanbul kind of makes it feel to me like Istanbul is such a like a timeless place you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It has existed for centuries, and I think 
having the finale take place there and having it randomly have to do with like Russian nuclear submarines makes it feel yeah. very divorced from the era that it takes place in. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. But, yeah. uh, but moving on to our final decade, because we're not going to do the 2010s because the decade isn't over yet. So yeah, maybe the, the best is yet to come. Who maybe. knows? Well, that's maybe. the thing, yeah. It'll come uh, out in the 2020s technically, but yeah, February of the 2020s, so let's just like, we'll count it as the 2010s. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so early 2000s. Uh, I... Am going. Oh, this was this was tough because each the street, of them. Yeah. It, it really is. This this actually may be the toughest decade because each of the films that have come out in or that came out in the early two thousands distinctly um, resembles a, a a period in time like or at least of a that. part they, of that decade. Yeah, absolutely. Die Another Day is very early two thousands. Uh, <laughs> Casino Royale is very post nine eleven, and then uh, Quantum of Solace is incredibly late early two thousands. So mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of like what what do you kind of take it kind of take into account? Um, for me, I personally, I I, I I don't know. I think I'm going yeah. to go with Quantum of Solace. Hey, wow, that's like the that's the last one I would have picked. Really? <laughs> I, I see. Yeah. I I understand that, but at the same time, I feel like the way it tackles the the economics at the time, the geopolitics at the time, the it, it does incorporate that post nine eleven stuff in there. Um, it's definitely drawing more so than I would say Casino Royale. Um, from like a born aesthetic, which. Th- you know, that's Casino Royale yeah. is was this was is by far the best Bond film that's ever been made, um, and <laughs> I think that it's it really modernizes the character. Uh, but I don't really know where I was going with that. That was just kind of stating <laughs> my opinion. But every now and then, Griffin just feels the need to talk about how much he loves Casino Royale. No, but but, but what, I, what I was saying was, you know, as much as as, as incredible as that movie is. The early 2000s, Jason Bourne really, dis, really, um, you know, revolutionized how we we interpret like action, action it's, films. It's one of the most definitive yeah. action films of the decade. Yeah. Uh, of the decade, and that's why I was saying, while I think Casino Royale is an incredible film, and I, I enjoy it more than the Bourne films, the Bourne films had a lasting impact on action films going forward, and I think you can see that in Quantum of Solace. Sometimes for, sometimes to a detriment, because I, sometimes I think it's doing it um, more like a, a cheap imitation at times. Times. But that's mm-hmm. a discussion for a later time. Um, but but I think when you incorporate that with um, with all of these vibes that are going into it, I mean, you have you have Alicia Keys and Jack White, who are very prominent artists during the early two thousands. Do the title song to it. Now I, I don't I'm not think the song sounds like either one of them is the thing. Well, it doesn't it, sound it, like it, an Alicia Keys song. It doesn't sound like a Jack White song. It just sounds it, it like, sounds like a weird high. It, it sounds like something yeah. else. I'll tell you that much. Um, but <laughs> well, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> it. it Right, but like using that that kind of like star power to bring it like I I, I don't know to to me that film does scream very early two thousands, but I at the same time Die Another Day does as well. Uh, that would have been my second option. Um, wow, would be Die Another Day, and and I'm not saying Casino so Royale wrong. doesn't. Scream. So I think, wrong. No, I see. I think <laughs> Casino Royale has a timeless feel to it. It definitely has the the um the rawness and the intensity of a post nine eleven world, but at the same time. Like I feel like that film could come out today, but aste- um, no, I see. I, I, I think aesthetically, it very much belongs in that time. And um, and here's what I'll, I'll, I'll you, you finish your point about Die Another Day, and I'll uh. Take well, the I was, I'm just gonna say Die Another Day would be my second 
uh, choice simply because uh, it, it really captures the pop culture side of the early 2000s um, really playing into you know Madonna's doing the t- the title song um, where she was having like you, you know her second resurgence I get well I don't know yeah. if you call it a second resurgence she just, it basically started in the 80s it's just kind of carried through but it was that yeah. early Madonna early 2000s Madonna sound um, it, it, the aesthetic of the film was like straight up early 2000s VH1 MTV that whole thing Mm-hmm. Um, the, no the absurdity yeah. of it is very like early 2000s silly action movie thing and I mean that film is dated in 2000 and uh, what two three uh, 2002 yeah yeah 2002 I mean it, 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 it is really dated by that Um, so I yeah I, I, I agree you with you that's, that. that's, yeah. that's my second pick as well Dine of the Day is my second pick just because you're right. It, it, it's a diff- it's a completely different time of two thousands than the latter two. Mm-hmm. Um, it is that very early two thousands, like Britney Spears, MTV. Yeah, yeah. Um, right down to the way the film is like edited with those oh my speed god, ramps yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the, just, the the beginnings of visual effects. You know, oh when yeah, they're really, really just starting to test the waters, and, literally. Yeah, there's this really ugly looking. Yeah, like yeah, it, like it is a very ugly film. As that early 2000s is a very ugly time in uh, history. <laughs> and having lived through it, I can say that definitively. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But, I mean, at least Bond wasn't walking around in, uh, <laughs> like, frosted tips and shit. But um, <laughs> Could you imagine Pierce um, with frosted tips? I could. I mean, frosted tips would really fit with the theme of that movie. Oh, God, um, man. But, yeah, no, it, it, I mean, it, it very much all like a Lee Tamahori, like, triple X kind of movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. With like that MTV aesthetic, um, at least MTV of the time, but yeah, no, I think for me when I think of the two thousands, it is that post nine eleven kind of. That, when I think of what defined pop culture in the two thousands, it is nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, as grim as that is to say, a lot of our media started to reflect that like gritty, uh, cynical kind of like mentality and especially once you get to casino royale and we've like we're in the iraq war now and it's just it's just like this never-ending onslaught of news and all that and while the mm-hmm. film doesn't exactly deal with that stuff um directly it, it is just sort of very present in the attitudes that the film represents and then also in the way that it's shot i think it looks like a like a post 9-11 thriller mm-hmm. in the way that it is shot uh, I think the color palette, like all of that stuff, like like the stuff at the Miami airport, while also being very 9-11 in sort of like in time, in theme and subject matter, um, just looks like a film that would be based around that um, that idea. Uh, what Daniel Craig's wearing with like the jacket and the, the yeah. pants with the blue shirt um, looks like the start of the time. Whereas something like, I mean, there is a timeless element to it when you go to places like, uh, Montenegro, and when you go to like you know Venice and whatever else, I'll, but, I'll give you I'll give you the color palette thing because I think you're right. The the color palette definitely does. Um, yeah, uh, I, yeah, that that it does have that like mid early two thousands kind of look. I think even to like it. late two thousands. Yeah, like I mean, I, and you also even have like. Um, like the phones that they're using and all that sort of stuff that really adds to it. The Bond's driving that Ford car. Um, yeah, that's it. Fair. All just feels very two thousands to me. Um, Bond wears more dress, like more like casual clothes. He wears casual clothes in Madagascar. He wears casual clothes in the the um, like he wears like the jacket and the in the shirt with the uh, the opening scene, the fight, and right, the guy he's fighting right, wearing that like right. that floral print shirt or whatever he's wearing. Um, it's like the clothing for me. Whereas Quantum of Solace, right? I think you're right. The editing is peak two thousands 
and that really pushes it to not in that direction for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really the only thing that pushes it in that direction for really? me. Really? See, um, but I, you, you don't even think like the 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 thematic, like the geopolitics that well, it's yeah, dealing no, with. The, in- the theme, of, but in terms of this aesthetic, yeah, no, absolutely, the themes of it, um, definitely. I, I think Casino Royale deals with it a little bit more. I think this one. Oh, see, I disagree with that. I, I think I the think, geo, I think that no, I think the geopolitics are more present in Quantum of Solace, but I think there's this is more of a an undercurrent of 9/11 in in Casino Royale. Um, hmm. But no, it's definitely present in Quantum of Solace, a 100. You've got, I mean, you've even got the financial crisis, and you've got this ecological mm-hmm. like sort of um, like thing going on, which I think even more leans towards 2010s. But, well, I, I don't know. I um, mean, they, you know, they touch on the the whole like you you know the world trying to like you know. Um, you know, stockpile oil and stuff like that, which was, right, I, I th- yeah. you know, you could tie that into the uh, Iraq war and whatnot. Um, oh, 100%. I, I think but for me, like with, with in terms of aesthetic, Quantum of Solace, um, even though it, it, it's still very much a 2000s movie, um, I think aesthetically it looks more traditional other, other than the shaky cam and the, the quick editing, which is um, obviously very modern. Yeah, something about like just the way Bond dresses, the way everyone else dresses, the the look of the film, the color grading, all that stuff looks more traditional to me mm. than like even like the set design of everything looks more traditional. Like you've got like the opera, which looks like a classic Bond kind of look, um, stuff like that. The, the the hotel looks like a classic Bond base kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Casino Royale is just in our real world, one hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, fair enough. And I think for me that it pushes it over the edge. It gives it the edge on Quantum of Solace. Though I can't, I can't argue. It's it's pretty close. Um, it's it's a close third in terms of, um, which film feels two thousands to yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, like like, like I yeah. said, all and three then, of them do like accurately depict like the years in which they came out. Yeah, and I think also Casino Royale's title song, like Chris Cornell, just feels. That, that, when I think yeah, of music Chris Cornell, the 2000s, is the, it, it plays into the the early two thousands rock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that alt rock kind of sound to it, like that uh, kind of sound um, <laughs> that he has. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, Madonna also plays into that. She's more of like her song is more of like a pop song uh, from the early two thousands. But and where Quantum yeah. Solace doesn't sound like anything to me. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds bad. It's just, it's just it's just taking two was, prominent artists from that decade. Yeah, and, but even if it was a good song, I don't think it sounds like particularly like a pop song from that that era anyway. Um, like you compare yeah. it to it, like what 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 like Lady Gaga was doing at the time, what Katy Perry was doing at the time. It doesn't sound like anything like that. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know. There's so it's interesting because, like you said, with, for all these, there's so many to choose from. Um, mm-hmm. With Jimmy, it could go the other way. Like yeah, yeah. I, no, I I completely agree. But uh, before we close this out, and I know we've been going a long time, so thank you for sticking yeah. with us, and hopefully you enjoy all <laughs> the content that we've been, uh, you know, kind of giving you here. Uh, before we close this out, if you just had to choose one from the 2010s, obviously the 2010s aren't over, but I think. You know, as we approach the end of them, we can mm-hmm. kind of get a, a a feel for which one best represents it. Um, we've only gotten two in this decade, so out of the yeah. two, which would you choose? You don't have to give an you don't have to give like an explanation or anything, but if you had to choose one, which would you choose? Um, aesthetically, not in terms of subject matter. I, everything. Not, I'm, you know, I'm we, gonna, we, you, you got to take gonna, everything into account. I, I know you can, but I think I'm going to go aesthetically because it's just too hard for me to pick otherwise. Um. 
aesthetically, it's Skyfall for me. Okay, interesting. I yeah, because I say I, I say Spectre. Yeah, well, I knew I knew you were gonna say that, and I think Spectre again has more of like a classic throwback look to it. Um, I think the, just the, the set design, the way Bond's dressed feels more like it's. I mean, because '60s is back in right now anyway, um, in terms of like aesthetic, but. I think it's more deliberately trying to pay homage to like those earlier films in Spectre, whereas Skyfall, I mean, and this is not a new observation, mm-hmm. feels look has like this look and feel of like you know a, a blockbuster from the 2010s. Like the oh, like, I'll, has, I'll it, agree it has, with like, that. It, it, it feels very much rem- yeah. Well, cinematography it's, it's on a whole nother playing field because of Roger Deakins, but yeah. uh, just in terms of like the set design, the way the the, the film is shot, that kind of thing kind of like a dark knight vibe to it which is which the dark knight i would say is the film that ha- the dark knight dark knight rises of the two films that really defined the 2010s action movie aesthetic even if the dark least, knight came out in 2008 well that's at the end of the 2010 the 20 i'd uh, say 2000s, inception though. inception defined the 2010s. inception too yeah. but inception dark knight very similar in terms yeah, of like, like there's a slight difference visual palette i mean there's a slight difference but they, 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 that's they, anyways that's neither here or there but i, but I, get I think what the you're dark knight yeah. i think the dark knight definitely going forward um defined what action movies for the next decade were gonna look like sure um yeah. and because it came out in the 20 in the tw- in the two thousands, but its imitators started coming out in the twenty tens. Yeah, and yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, um, and well, not that Skyfall is an imitator, but it is very much in that vein, in that same like that that same class because everything was. Um, all the Mission Impossible films post Dark Knight have been Dark Knight tinged. Everything has been. Um, it's just yeah, and so Spectre seems like it's it's paying homage to some of the earlier uh, films aesthetically, but mm. Skyfall. 100% looks like that. I mean, it's, it's hard to say because we haven't finished the decade yet and who knows, um, uh, Bond 25 could easily blow these two out of the water in terms of aesthetic, but um, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, and like I said, I, I would go with Spectre. I'm not going to really go into detail about how we got on long enough, but there you have it. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of The Words Are Not Enough. Episode number 20. Got an extra spe- special long episode for you for e- our 20th. Spe- yeah, a- a- extra <laughs> spectral. I'm trying, trying to work Spectre Oh, <laughs> boy, man, the puns. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, and let us, uh, as always make sure to let us know uh, your thoughts and opinions on the topics discussed down in the comment section below of wherever you are listening to this podcast. Mr. Brody Cerevelli, thank you for joining me as always. And where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me at Brody Cerevelli if you want to find my like my regular Twitter. Um, and if you want to hear my thoughts on Bond stuff or you want to follow the show, uh, you should give at Twain Pod, at T-W-A-N-E Pod, a follow. Uh, that's where all of these. That's where this discussion topic came from. That's where all the other discussion topics we've talked about have come from. That's where we 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 engage with you guys. That's where the the um, the giveaway came from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, give us a follow there if you want to keep your thumb on the pulse of the show. And also, yeah. you just want to yeah. talk about Bond because I'm always down to 
shoot the breeze about Bond. So Absolutely, yeah. Out. Go go give that Twitter account a follow. He's doing great stuff over there on the account. Um, but also take a second here if you haven't already and give this podcast a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this your podcasting uh, platform of choice. It really helps get the show noticed. Um, and as I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to be maybe re- reading some reviews if you leave them, giving you guys some thanks and recognition. So if that's interesting, if that interests you at all, uh, definitely um, consider doing that. But also just you know show some appreciate appreciation for the show and it, it helps us out greatly lets us know on what to improve and what not but as always guys you can uh yeah follow the twain account you can also like men versus movies the uh channel that we run that uh puts on this show you can like men versus movies on facebook follow us on twitter simply by searching men versus movies go give the channel uh, a subscribe if you're interested in other film related content um and if you like me specifically and you like what i have to say you can give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. All right, that's going to do it for episode number 20 of The Words Are Not Enough. And until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Jimmy. And I'm Kenny the Carman. Hurry up and save at the all-new R-Town Ford. Your new choice in Randallstown. There's hundreds of new Fords with total savings to up to $12,000. Or choose 0% financing up to 72 months. It's my town. It's your town. It's R-Town Ford. Hi, I'm Jimmy. And I'm Kenny the Carman. Hurry up and save at the all-new R-Town Ford. Your new choice in Randallstown. There's hundreds of new Fords with total savings to up to $12,000. Or choose 0% financing up to 72 months. It's my town. It's your town. It's It's R-Town Ford.